A special thanks to Pastor Nathan for filling in for me the last couple of weeks. Uh, he did a great job preaching for three weeks in a row on the issue of power and influence and authority. Uh, he actually helped us to wrap up our uh, last series entitled By the Book. It was a series where we talked about the issues that tend to inundate our lives. We chose the three big ones, uh, money, sex, and power. And to do those issues justice, we had to talk about things you typically don't talk about in church, uh, but hopefully you were challenged and encouraged throughout that series. If you missed any of those, they're online. Go check those out. We also have a podcast. We'd love for you to, to hear that information because we want you to start seeing those issues through gospel lenses. We want you to start seeing those things in godly ways because when you understand that those three things are good gifts given by a good God, but they are not more important than God, they are not gods in and of themselves, when you enjoy them in that way, you start to experience them the way they were meant to be experienced. So uh, that was the last series. Uh, on December 4th, we're going to be starting a new series, a Christmas series entitled Gift Exchange. I'm super excited about that. Uh, for the entire month, we'll look at the amazing exchanges that take place at the manger. You see, typically the kings are the ones who get the credit for bringing the gifts. But everybody in that story brought something to Jesus. And when they did, they all got something so much greater in return. So we're going to look at that uh, dynamic and talk about the gift exchanges that took place uh, at the manger and that are still taking place. So I don't want you to miss any of those uh, messages. It's going to continue on Christmas Eve as well as Christmas Day. We encourage you guys to invite friends to those services. This is the time of year where folks are a little bit more receptive to come to the church and hearing about Jesus. So take advantage of that. Uh, before, though, we jump into the Christmas series, we got to spend a few weeks talking about Thanksgiving, right? Our culture tends to fly past it, and a lot of us think that Thanksgiving is only about, you know, feeding our faces or watching football, although I plan on doing both of those. Uh, it's about a lot more than that. Thanksgiving is truly a posture of the heart and something that Christians should actually be known for, not just celebrating Thanksgiving, but being thanksgivers. And so I want to talk about that for a couple of weeks. Let me pray, and then we'll jump into that. Father, would you bless this time now? Thank you for encouraging our spirits through the gift of song and speaking truth to us in that way. Would your word now and my words come alive, and would it uh, bless, strengthen, challenge, and heal us in this room? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, church, if I were to ask you to list the five or ten biggest problems in our world, uh, what would you put on your list? Honestly, if you had to rank order kind of the worst of the worst evils that exist in the world today, what would, you, what would you put on that list? What would be your top three, your top five, your top ten? Well, chances are many of us would put things like murder, rape, genocide, hatred, racism, division, greed, right? Those would be the things we'd put on our list. How many of us would honestly put ingratitude on the list? And how many of us, when making such a list, would only put ingratitude? And thinking about what's wrong in our world or wrong with our country or even more you know, closer to home, what's wrong in our homes, what's wrong in our schools, what's wrong in our marriages, maybe even our churches. How many of, how many of us would say, oh, 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 pastor, pastor, I know the answer, I know the answer. It's our lack of thanksgiving. Really? I mean, not saying thank you is right up there with apathy or anger, even adultery. Well, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul would say. In fact, he would say, it's not up there with all the other problems in the world. It's behind and underneath all of the other problems in the world. Let me show you what I mean. Romans chapter 1. If you have a Bible, open it there. If not, we'll put it on the screen for you. At the end of Romans chapter 1, 
Paul goes into great detail about what unchecked sin and selfishness and short-sightedness look like. And it looks and sounds a lot like the evening news, to be honest with you. Watch this. Romans 1, verse 29 and following. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. Whew! That's not exactly the type of person you want to bring home to mom and dad over the holidays, is it? But according to Paul, all of those issues, all of those things listed right there are not the root of the problem. They're simply the fruit of the problem. Something else is behind all of those things. And that something is described for us earlier in the chapter, Romans 121. You see, they knew God, Paul says, but they wouldn't worship him as God or give him thanks. They knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip, backstabbing, pride, arrogance, disobedience, enmity, apathy, the list goes on and on and all, but every single one of those things has one thing in common. They are all rooted and grounded in ingratitude, in our refusal to praise God or to give thanks to God. Every single one of those flaws that Paul mentions is rooted and grounded in ingratitude. I mean, think about that. You think our world has a problem with greed? It's actually a problem with gratitude, and the one is causing the other. Think our world has a problem with gossip? It's actually a problem with gratitude. And when you struggle with the one, you're going to struggle with the other. See, when it comes to honoring God, most of us tend to think about like mountain-moving faith, radical obedience, personal sacrifice, passionate prayer, selfless giving, inspiring worship, maybe even long-suffering. But gratitude? Like gratitude's one of those optional character traits of a Christian you kind of throw on if you get, have you some extra time. It's like one of those apps. He's like, well, maybe I'll download it, maybe. But no, that's, that's not how it is at all. Gratitude is truly at the heart of it all. You see, ingratitude, the refusal to give credit to God, to give thanks to God, it's this catalyst, it's this gateway that Satan uses to bring in all kinds of other issues and problems, a foothold that he uses, a stronghold that he has in your life. If he can get you to stop being grateful, he can get you to start being all kinds of other destructive, evil things. Let me see if I can explain it another way. Let's say that, that ingratitude is represented by this magnet right here. Stole us from the children's wing downstairs. Don't tell Char. This, this represents ingratitude, okay? And when your life is, is marked by ingratitude, when you have an ungrateful spirit, then, then you are naturally going to attract and draw in other, all kinds of prickly, nasty things in your life. I mean, these things are going to be naturally just, just gravitate towards you. Right, other evils, flaws, imperfections, that they're going to be highlighted and showcased when your life is filled with ingratitude. This is honestly what some of our lives look like right now, isn't it? Pretty prickly, pretty, pretty gross, pretty nasty. 
Ingratitude has this magnetic quality. When, when you are ungrateful, then all these other vices and flaws just naturally cling to you. They naturally become a part of your life. And sometimes they fall off, but most of them stick, right? That's how it works. But gratitude, gratitude naturally repels all of these prickly things away from you. I was hoping to find a magnet that I could like reverse the, the, the magnetic pull on. And then send these things like flying all over the room. But then I realized they were nails. And it would make my point, but it would also send some of you to the hospital. Uh, so we'll have to just kind of understand that that's how it works. But you see, gratitude has the reverse effect. Gratitude pushes all those other issues away from you. Gratitude repels those other things. I mean, think about this. Have you met, ever met an arrogant or bitter person who's incredibly grateful? You ever said to yourself something like, that guy is so rude and so draining, but boy, is he thankful. You ever been around an angry person or a materialistic person who's full of thanksgiving? I just can't stand being around that woman, but she's so grateful for everything. I don't know, you see, those things, they, they cannot coexist Ingratitude draws them in, but gratitude pushes all those other things away. When gratitude is present, it's like an antivirus software on your computer. It's not letting all the bad stuff in. To put it another way, gratitude is what guards you against godlessness. Let me say that again. Gratitude is what guards you against godlessness. So you thought telling your kids a thousand times when they were younger to say thank you you thought you were just teaching them some manners or how to be polite. You were teaching them how to honor God. You're teaching them how to rid their lives of evil. I kid you not. Every time it's like, hey, what do you say? They're just teaching them manners. They're just teaching them how to be polite. You're teaching them how to rid themselves of all that nasty stuff that Paul listed in Romans 1. The purity, the power, the potential of our life in Christ, it boils down to this attitude of gratitude. But I doubt, I, I truly doubt that many of us woke up this morning thinking, you know what, I bet you most of my problems would go away if I could just be a greater thanksgiver. I doubt that many of us honestly woke up believing that to be true, but it is. That's why scripture speaks so frequently about giving thanks. Look at a couple passages with me. Ephesians 5, verses 19 through 20. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. For everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2. As you received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Psalm 50, 23, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Are you seeing a trend here? Thanksgiving is everywhere in the scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, prophets to Jesus. Everybody's talking about giving thanks. That showing gratitude is truly the greatest way we honor God. The problem, though, is that most of us aren't known for being excessive thanksgivers. Most of us aren't known as being excessive, over-the-top, extravagant 
thanksgivers. Most of us are like the little boy who was given an orange one day at the grocery store by, by a man working there. The, the boy's mother nudged him and asked, what do you say to the nice man? The little boy looked at the orange, thought about it, handed it back and said, peel it. A social experiment was done years ago where two 10-year-old children stood at the entrance of a busy shopping mall. They, they were microphone. They had microphones on them secretly, and they recorded how many people actually showed some sort of gratitude for them opening the doors, especially those who were carrying all these gifts out of the mall. The results, only 27% of folks stopped and said thank you to these kids. 27%. I mean, you should have seen the look on these poor kids' faces. But 27%, as pathetic as that sounds, is actually incredibly high when compared to the percent that gave Jesus thanks when he walked the earth. Luke 17 proves that to us. It's a story about Jesus coming across and being introduced to a group of, of lepers. You've most likely read this story before if you've grown up in the church in leprosy, we understand, uh, most of us do, it was this debilitating, disgusting skin disease that ate you alive from the outside in. I mean, think cancer, but think on the outside of your body, just destroying you each and every day. And lepers were forbidden to return home. They were forbidden to walk around the streets. They were forbidden, actually, to live within the city gates and the city walls. So they were nomads. They were outcasts. They were marginalized. And one day when Jesus is walking past them, a group of 10 cries out from afar, it says, for Christ to help them. The text tells us that Jesus told the 10 to go to the priests, show themselves to the priests, because the priests would be the ones who would allow them back into society. The priests would be the ones who say, yes, you have a clean bill of health, you can go home now. And as they're on their way to meet the priest, to talk to the priest, they're all miraculously cleansed. The leprosy is gone. The limbs are restored. They're not only given their health back, they're given their lives back. I mean, this is truly a medical miracle. They can return to work. They can return to the temple. They can return home. This is as close to a resurrection from the dead as you can get without dying. And here it is. All ten of them experienced it. And you would think in response to this great gift, the gift of health, the gift of happiness, the gift of restitution, the gift of reinstatement, you would think these guys would be over-the-top, extravagant thanksgivers, wouldn't you? All ten of them. Well, here's what we read in Luke 17, 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this one foreigner? And then he said to the man, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Excuse me. One of them, just one of the ten. I mean, where are the other nine? These men lived lives of desperation and isolation, and suddenly they experienced full restoration, and only one can come back and say thanks? One probably doubted the change was real. One waited to see if it would last. One decided he never really had leprosy in the first place. One said he was starting to feel better before they ran into Jesus that day. One ran off to see his loved ones. One ran off to check the status of his investments. One promised to meet up and thank Jesus later. One said, well, any rabbi probably could have done this. One was worried he was going to get sick again. Right? You see how this trend continues? 
But here's the thing, church. God is not interested in us giving him excuses. He's interested in us giving him thanks. That's what he wants from us. Thanksgiving. He wants us to become thanksgivers. And yet, if we're honest, probably only a small percentage of us truly are thanksgivers. Or we only give him a small, or we only give him praise for a small amount of the things in our lives. A woman was leaving a worship service one Sunday, and on her way out, she said to the pastor, Hey, I really enjoyed the sermon today. Don't thank me, thank the Lord, the pastor replied. Well, it wasn't that good, the lady said. Isn't that how we are, though? Like, things are good in our life, but they're not that good. Like, I, I am a blessed individual, but I'm not that blessed. I do have things, you know, going pretty well, but they're not going that well for me. Really? An attitude of gratitude, where we give thanks in all circumstances, for all things. It's obviously something that we have to work on. Because the story of the lepers and the social experiment at the mall and even as you just look back over your own life, an attitude of gratitude doesn't come naturally to us, does it? It's not something that we naturally default to or that comes easy. And so this morning as we close, let me just suggest two things. And I want you to do this next week. Uh, two disciplines that I think will help you to grow in gratitude. It seems like an appropriate time to work on these things. The two things are this. Say it and sing it. Say it and sing it. First, say it. There are a lot of ways out there to say it. Thanks, gracias, merci, grazie, arigato, zizi, danke, kapkukon. There's a lot of ways to say thank you. But I don't think God is very interested in how you say it. I think he just cares that you say it. An attitude of gratitude must manifest itself. The attitude and the gratitude must manifest itself in your words. You've got to be able to say it. And as Christians, I think the words thank you should be on the tip of our tongues more than anything else, don't you? Saying thank you, actually saying it out loud on a regular basis, it sounds so simple, and it is, but it's so profound, but it's done so infrequently, which is sad because it can impact people in ways you never even expected. Maybe you heard the story of the 86-year-old British woman named Mae Ashworth, otherwise known as Ben's Nana. She was looking for a translation of the Roman numerals MCMXCVIII. She lived in Britain, and British television shows use Roman numerals to tell you when the, the program was first created. And she wanted to know when her favorite TV show originally aired. So she did what all of us do when we have a question. She asked Google, right? Google. But here's exactly how she did it. Please translate the Roman numerals MCMXCVIII for me. Thank you. There's a screenshot up there. I don't know if you, can, if you can see that or not. Well, her son came in, or her grandson came in while she was doing this, and he took a picture of the screenshot and tweeted it out. He just was so overwhelmed and, and, and flabbergasted that she would say please and thank you to Google. Well, the tweet grabbed Google's attention. And Google UK actually responded to her. Here's what they said. Dearest Ben's Nana, hope you're well. In a world of billions of searches, yours made us smile. Oh, and the answer is 1998. Thank you. And not only did Google UK respond, but international Google headquarters saw this and also tweeted out. This is what they said. Dear Grandma, 
no thanks necessary. That's Google. That's, that's the, the, the higher ups at Google being impressed and being impacted by a simple thank you. Now, I don't know if your thank you will bring praise and smiles and joy to Google, but it will bring praise and smiles and joy to God. He will stop and notice when you are filled with gratitude. Think back with me uh, to that that magnet illustration that I used before. I'd pick it up, but I'm kind of scared of those nails. Um, Gratitude doesn't just repel all of the things listed in Romans chapter one. Gratitude does have a magnetic pull in and of itself, doesn't it? Gratitude pulls good things, godly things into your life. So it it serves a double purpose. It, it, It pushes away the evil, ungodly things, but then it naturally attracts all the other things. Let me give you a couple of examples. You wanna get closer to your spouse this week? Start saying thank you. You wanna get closer to your kids this week or your parents? Start saying thank you. You wanna get closer to your God this week? Start saying thank you. Those two little words, when said on a very regular basis, have the power to bring good into your life in a way that nothing else truly does. So develop a grateful heart Grow in your gratitude by becoming a thanksgiver by saying those words, all right? This week, I want you to say it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The second thing I want you to do this week is sing it. This is the second way that we grow a grateful heart and grow in our gratitude. Psalm 717, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise God's name in song, glorify him with thanksgiving. Isaiah 51, 3, the Lord will surely comfort Zion. Look with compassion on all of her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Throughout the scripture, these two have this beautiful marriage, thanksgiving and song. They go together so well. And here's why. Sometimes saying thank you, even those are, those are great words and, and the Lord wants to hear them from us, sometimes those words are inadequate, aren't they? Sometimes they just, they just don't cut it. Saying thank you doesn't communicate all that we want to communicate. And that's where worship comes in. Worship, the gathering of the people of God to give praise and thanks to God is one of the most powerful ways we honor God. Why? Because in it, We are saying thank you to God. That's that's what worship actually is. So when you're singing your favorite worship song or or listening to a group sing their favorite worship song, you're not just listening to the words of that song. You're not just singing what some artist penned and put on paper and then recorded. You are saying and singing thank you. That's what worship is. And so when folks come to me and they're like, yeah, that worship song just didn't do it for me. Like, didn't do it for you. We were just saying thank you. Instead of complaining about saying thank you, how about you start saying it with us? You see, worship is truly this expression of gratitude that nothing else is. So when you're singing your favorite worship song, maybe it's at the, in the church or in the car, maybe in the shower, right? And you're singing the worship song. It's not just about that song. What you're saying and what you're singing is gratitude, is thank you, it's thankfulness. And so unenthusiastic worship, passionless praise, it frustrates me like no other 
because it shows that ingratitude is deeper in our heart than we might want to admit to. I'm not saying you gotta stand up and dance and get all crazy, although I wouldn't stop you from that. But if we understood what he's done for us, which we're gonna talk about all next week, then we couldn't stop singing his praises. You couldn't shut me up in terms of singing my heart out. That's the kind of gratitude I want us to have. So when you sing, when you worship, you're shaping your heart and your mind. You're taking on the posture of gratitude in and through that act and that moment. When you worship, you're saying thank you in a way that nothing else does. So this week, your mission, if you choose to accept it, I want you to say it and I want you to sing it. Say thank you as often as you can. And you come find me on Sunday, next Sunday, and you just tell me thank you. Because I think your week will be very different if those words are on the tip of your tongue each and every day. And then I want you to sing it. And you know, if you want to get crazy, sing it in like some really inopportune, awkward moments. Let's do a little social experiment of our own. Sing it at the mall. Sing it in the cubicle. Sing it when you're picking up the kids at school with their friends in the back. Just sing it. Sing your praise. Sing your thanks. And again, next Sunday you come and you tell me thank you because I think your heart, your attitude, your character, your week will be very different as a result of doing these two things. So what's the biggest problem in our world? What's the biggest problem in our lives? It's something seemingly insignificant. It's called ingratitude. So this week again, tell God and tell others how grateful you are. Say thank you and sing your praise as frequently as you can. Become someone known as a thanksgiver. Let me pray that over you and get you out of here. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Those words just seem so small, so inadequate in this moment, but, but we say them to you, and I hope that we truly believe them in the depth of our heart. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the promises you've made to us and the faithfulness you have shown us over the years. Thank you for being an amazing God. There's no God like you in heaven above or earth below. And so we stand before you now and we say thank you. Help us this week to have an attitude of gratitude to grow in our gratitude, Lord, and to say it and to sing it out. Because we live in a culture, Lord, where thank you isn't heard all that often, where gratitude isn't expressed all that often, where thankfulness just isn't the norm. And so we ask that you will help us to be a light in the dark this week as we become known as extravagant thanksgivers. Help us to enjoy this week with family and friends. And I pray we spend some time alone with you this week hearing your voice and lifting ours to you, and maybe saying nothing else except for thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. There you go. I'm modeling it for you already for being here today. Have an amazing week. Don't forget your dollar in the bin on the way out. We can bless a family in need tomorrow. Have an amazing week. Great to have you. God bless you.